permission to record. Okay. All right. So um, I guess we're just going to get started. I'm not sure. Um, is anybody on the call that's supposed to try? There's a crawl. Yay. <laughs> All right. We're going to get the uh, translation started. Um, Good to see you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We were just about getting ready to just give up on the idea that we were having a translator today, but we're, we're so happy you're here with us. And Braja, she was thinking, oh, well, probably the translator didn't want to hear me. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll address that attitude at some time in our, while we're doing our interview today. <laughs> okay, well, welcome everyone. Um, I've been on um, a hiatus for the last few weeks or three weeks from doing the interviews, we've been in the process of moving and actually Manangopal was supposed to do today, but he um, had something come up where he couldn't do it. So I'm filling in for Madden. <laughs> and then I'll be picking up starting again next month. And, and then the month of November, we will be taking a break from the interviews, doing lots of special Kartik presentations that I know some of you are going to be involved in doing. So that'll be really, really nice too. So I have Brenda Sindri here with us. She is um, graciously. Um... Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, so we'll just wait for a car to get back and then we, we can start with the um, bio. But very happy to have Raja join us. Um, I know this is out of her comfort zone like it is for many of you that have um, you know, agreed to come on and share your stories. So I really, really appreciate it when you know, devotees do you know, come on even when they're feeling very anxious about it. I was anxious about doing my doing it too. So I think it's 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 a, there's a certain normal it's normal to have a certain amount of anxiety, but you know, hopefully it's not going to be too bad for you. And once you start talking, I'm sure it'll you'll feel a lot better. Okay. Um this course not back yet. Oh, here he is. It's fine. It's fine. Everything happens perfectly and just the way it's supposed to. The only that's the only only way we can get through this world is having that attitude. Like nothing's wrong. It's all just the way it should be. Okay.
Okay. Just gives Braja more time to be anxious. <laughs> <laughs> Good things are worth waiting for. <laughs> sure. I'll be doing a, a, a prayer meditation for Raja to, and for me to be able to be calm and um, be an instrument of Krishna's, for, for Krishna's words to come through us, to um, inspire the devotees. We can all pray for each other when we're doing these kinds of services because I mean, I know there's like, I can't do anything without Krishna's help. So, and, and I can pray like that for myself, but it's really potent when everybody else prays for us. So if everyone can pray for both of us, that we can be a, a dynamic duo and um, really, and, you know, come out with some, some very special and inspirational words today for everyone. So. We'll just take in all that prayerful energy from everyone and just let it just kind of wash over us. I feel better already. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if maybe we should just get go ahead and get started and Carl will have to jump in when he does. Um, just because yeah, it's getting getting a little late. So I'm going to just, I'll start with reading Braja's um, bio. So Braja was born in December of 1966 in Lublin. Did I say that right? Lublin? Lublin. Lublin, Lublin, Poland. Most of her early childhood and all of her vacations, she spent with her grandparents on a farm. So that really helped her to develop a strong connect connection with nature and with animals. So now we see where her love for the cows and everything comes from. Um, due to some childhood traumas, she became very shy and timid. Um, when it was time for her to go to school, she moved back to Lublin, um, not feeling very well in a big town. She was bullied at school which caused further alienation. And she started living in the world of her imagination and reading a lot of books. Um, her grandmother was a pious Catholic and she was, one of, she was one of the people who really influenced her the most in her childhood. And at the age of 13, 
<clears throat> her spiritual life started to seriously begin. And in May of 1993, she started chanting the Maha Mantra. And in August of 1994, she moved into an ISKCON preaching center in Lublin. And the next year in June, she got her first initiation from an ISKCON guru. And six months later, she got her Diksha mantras. So in 1996, she attended Prabhupada's Centennial Festival in Mayapur. And in 1997, she spent a couple of months in ISKCON Radhadesh. Then after the Lublin Center was closed in December of 1997, she moved to an ISKCON temple in Krakow. And after that temple failed, she relocated to ISKCON Warsaw and stayed there until August of 2007. When, <clears throat> when she had to leave, it was due to her connection with her present Guru Maharaj, Swami Bhaktivedanta Tripurari. So I'm sure she'll tell a little bit of that part of her story. And in September of 2007, she went for three months to Odaria Ashram in California. And then again, she spent six months there in 2008. And in November of 2008, she became a happy resident of Madhuban, Costa Rica. So she has been a, a monk, monkette for a number of years and living in the ashram. And um, I know you also recently had to go back to Poland for some time to help your mother with her passing Leela. And, um, and I'm sure that had a played a role in where you're at now too. <clears throat> so I guess we'll just start, just kind of launch into all of this with um, asking you, you know, just looking back at, you know, you talked about the influence of your grandmother, um, but were there clues growing up that you were a spiritual person, that you weren't destined for just a, a normal mundane life? I think there were. Um, I mean, I connected to my grandma most than other uh, of her grandchildren. And it was because she was very pious and she was basically speaking only about God, saints and pious people. And I loved this, those stories. I would listen to them again and again. And every Christmas she was buying books for everyone and they were about saints, about God. But at the same time, my parents were kind of like, my father was agnostic and my mom wasn't practicing. Lace year there, she admitted she was kind of molested by a priest during her um, confession. So then she stopped attending church for decades. But uh, when I was a kid, I didn't know about it. I just knew that my parents were not into religion. So I was practiced whenever I was with my grandma and then... I wasn't when I was with my parents, but I was feeling bad about it. <laughs> but also, uh, but my grandma wasn't educated. So her vision of Christianity was very like full of fear, gloomy. Basically, I liked Virgin Mary because um, my grandma was saying that Jesus always wanted to punish uh, people for their sins. 
and Virgin Mary was protecting them. So I was like, oh, this Jesus just wants to revenge his suffering. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I didn't have even really clear uh, idea what Christianity was. But my grandma was also saying how everything was created for people, for humans, including animals and that they didn't have souls. And that was like breaking my heart. I was praying to God, please give part of my soul to my dog, to my canary bird. Mm. <laughs> and then uh, I started challenging it kind of like, as I said in this bio at 13, uh, many things happened. Like, I think I got those first kind of reminders of my spiritual break background because my mom bought me several books and she bought a series of books about art. Uh, it was like someone's art, Indian art collection, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, and Krishna mm. with tiny little miniatures and short stories uh, about each uh, picture. So the one about Krishna was my favorite one. It was written with such a feeling that years later I was like, was it feeling coming from me or from the author? I was researching and it turned out that the author, author wasn't a, a, a devotee. But when I read the book, I still had the same feeling. Wow. <laughs> so uh, that was- that's a, uh, really, that's a really good clue when you have yeah. things like that come into your life and you have that feeling for it mm -hmm. out of, for no reason, you know, and it's something, it's not mundane. It's not a mundane experience. And at the same time, uh, my mom bought me some mm, science fiction books. I was really into science fiction and um, they had a motto, like, that's how you say it, kind of dedication in uh, front. One of them was from the Bible. And one was from Mahabharata. And I got crazy. I was like, I have to read those books right now. Mm. But, you know, it was uh, Poland, communism. Uh, you just don't go to the store and buy the Bible. What to speak of Mahabharata? Nobody even knew what it was. <laughs> but I got really, like, I don't know, crazy about it. And um, one of my cousins uh, had her first uh, communion. So at that occasion, uh, children were giving the Bible and she managed to get one for me, the New Testament. So I just devoured it. Few years later, I got Old Testament and I was really studying the Bible to see whether it's true that animals have no souls. Uh, at around the same time also, one of my uncles who used to be, uh, atheist and communist um, went through big change in his life. How do you call those people that uh, go around and find water? I always remember that word, dozer. Oh yeah, that, 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 dosing or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he read about it and he wanted to prove that it didn't work, but it turned out that he was really talented. And when mm -hmm. he saw that that worked, he was like, blown out and that started his spiritual journey, which was mostly into new age. And he mm, uh, was the first one who told me about reincarnation. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And I started studying the Bible um, 
to see whether it's supporting reincarnation. And what's funny, I found that support Mm. And I found enough uh, to defeat Jehovah Witnesses in debate one time. Like they never ever brought this topic again with me. <laughs> there were also a few very powerful dreams that I got. One of them is still relevant. Some of them were about like being becoming vegetarian. Because I loved animals, but of of course, like, I didn't like eating meat, but uh, I was brought up saying, being said, like, you have to eat meat to survive. So uh, after some time, thing, I started thinking, like, okay, people don't eat meat, but they still kill plants. And my goal was, like, once I become grown up, I will move out and become fruitarian at some point, <laughs> not to kill anything. <laughs> Yeah, and there was also one very, very powerful dream, which is still relevant, but I don't know whether I should say it because it just uh, extends time of my talking. Well, um, well, maybe we could see if there at time at the end and, and if yeah. there is, maybe we could talk more about that. Um, yeah, so at that time, I also saw uh, devotees on TV. There was some program about different religions and devotees were there, but I didn't take them seriously. Like I didn't even connect them to that little booklet that I read. It was like, these students, they cannot be serious. It's just a joke. Because <laughs> uh, I was really convinced, of course, Christianity and Catholicism are the thing. It's just misrepresented and uh, whatnot. Uh, so uh, I kept studying the Bible, but that made me more and more, uh, gave me more and more doubts about the way like Catholics practiced. Mm -hmm. I noticed kind of like there was basically anything about Virgin Mary there, which I was worshiping mostly. And uh, many practices were not supported. And that was my first faith crisis that I went through. So I started reading a lot of books on other uh, paths. And I started also attending meetings at different Christian churches. And like... So you were really, be you really started seeking the absolute truth from other places because yeah. you weren't feeling I still kind of thought uh, that Catholicism was the thing uh, but I was lacking something so um, and also it was like um, political things started uh, heating up in Poland and um, communism started falling apart so one time me and let's call her my sister and her boyfriend we went for a um, political gathering in Warsaw, Poland. So of course there was like police there, but uh, we kind of came uh, away before uh, police started beating up everyone. So we didn't participate in that part, but when we were going away, we met Harinam and there were devotees dancing uh, on the street and distributing little booklets uh, and prasadam. So I was um, really, wow. It was really not like me usually, but they were giving uh, ladus and 
they were giving one to a person, but uh, I cheated and I got two. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, my sister and my future brother-in-law, um, they bought a booklet that was called Sex and Self-Realization. And I was like, no, no, I'm not buying that stuff. I know what it is. Those people from East Kama Sutra, no, no, no. So I bought something about soul and I forgot what it was. It was Hridayananda Goswami's uh, classes uh, printed. Mm. So then we were coming back in a train that was so packed that the only place we could sit was the toilet. So we were reading those booklets sitting on top of toilet seat. And my brother-in-law was like, this booklet is not what you think. And I was like, I know what I think about it. You won't convince me. <laughs> so it was the first, uh, and it was, uh, uh, it was in June and, at that time I was working and in autumn, I met a devotee in my town uh, distributing books on the streets. And you know, in communism, all the books, they were super cheap, but they were all gray. Everything was gray, no color. And I saw this super colorful books about spirituality and I got so greedy. I was like, I have to have it. So I bought Bhagavad Gita and at that, that time when I was working, it was like one third of my monthly salary. Wow. So it was super expensive. So I, I took this book home then I opened it and somehow I opened on this, those joint verses. It's like four verses together. So there was this long, long Sanskrit. I was like, oh my God, I bought this super expensive book and it's not even in <laughs> Polish. <laughs> so I closed it. I didn't look for it uh, for I don't know how many months. But then finally I got into it again. And then when I started reading, I couldn't stop. It had really interesting thing. Prabhupada in the beginning, in his uh, uh, when he starts, he says like to understand Bhagavad Gita, you at least have to theoretically. Um, think that Krishna is supreme God. So I was like, okay, let's pretend it. <laughs> oh, let's put Jesus in name of, instead of name of Krishna. And I was just blown up. It was like answer to all my questions. Wow. So then um, I attended some programs organized by Hidas Varupananda's uh, group, which was uh, in their very beginning stage in Poland. So uh, their meetings were kind of like austere, that there was no questions and answers and uh, mm. they were supposed to give something vegetarian, but it was just bag of corn chips, <laughs> everyone getting from the same bag. So they became super fancy later, but when I was attending, it was kind of weird. And I also didn't understand why they were not wearing those bed sheets. <laughs> but uh, sometime later, I saw a postcard um, made this time by ISKCON devotees that Madhavananda Prabhu, whose scientist was coming. So I went to this program and I really liked the class. And uh, I wanted to leave after that when Kirtan started, but somehow there was sexual pervert sitting next to me uh, on that meeting. Mm. 
Mm. And the only way I could get rid of that creature was joining the kirtan with everything <laughs> I had. <laughs> like I was wearing coat, I had heavy bags. So I was dancing like that. And that started like, then whenever I saw the poster, I would just uh, run there and there were meetings uh, every Friday. They were really well attended. It was like sometimes even 100 people coming. But it was easy because I was shy. So you come in a big crowd, it's all right. But then I got an invitation to come to a more private program that was mostly for the devotees. And I was really afraid, like, because I had this issue with failure that I didn't want to fail. And uh, if I failed, I didn't want those people to whom I failed to see me again. So I was like, no, if I do something wrong, then I won't be able to go there again because I would be too ashamed. So maybe I shouldn't, but finally I made it. So uh, <laughs> then I started attending and uh, we, at some point, four of us, four girls who were like most active just joined, but uh, we started renting a room next to the uh, temple, which was in rented apartment anyway. So we would, come there for weekends because two of us were working two of us uh, were uh, still in school and then in, uh, at some point I moved in and it was also a huge thing because it was uh, Hari Swami's zone so there was a lot of fanatics and lots of anti-women propaganda like my temple president wasn't like that he was really progressive but Many other devotees, and you were kind of lower caste if you were not Harikesha Swami's disciple. It's not that he imposed it, but that's how uh, his disciples were looking at others. So then um, there was a lot of um, canvassing, like become disciple of my guru, my guru. And you know, people without initiation, whether it's like super lower caste. <laughs> Mm. Uh, so everyone wanted to get initiated and the strongest party was for Indra Dyumna Swami and uh, I liked him but then I read article um, in Back to Godhead about his preaching in Amazon and it was like ladies and torn uh, saris in the middle of the jungles with crocodiles around I was like I think following him means that and I don't think I could do that so I gave up on that idea, but later I kind of forgot that because um, first time I went to a like real temple, it was the Krakow temple, and that's where my future Iskon guru was preaching. So I really liked his disciples. I liked his kirtans. I understood his classes. And my point was also like, oh, he's spending lots of time in Poland, so I will have guru to whom I can always go and uh, talk. So I asked him to accept me as uh, his uh, future disciple. And a weird, weird thing happened. From inside, I got this like super heavy feeling. No, no, you are not ready to surrender. Don't do it. He also reacted in a weird way. He was super serious like almost looking scary and he didn't answer right away. He answered me after a couple of days. 
that okay i accept you now that was first warning sign but i kind of didn't know like better so i ignored it as oh it's mine stopping me <laughs> from following my guru mm. so um then I got initiated and I got second initiation. And um, then like there was a lot of things going on. I went to uh, India, I went to uh, Radhadesh. And then when I was in Radhadesh, our little preaching center started falling apart. There was huge fight among devotees. Temple president was kicked out. So I was, I had option to stay in Radhadesh, but it wasn't super nice there for me. And I was like, no, I have to go and like save my paradise. <laughs> so uh, I went back and it was really bad. And um, in fact, it was my first faith crisis in ISKCON because the way it was dealt with was like nobody cared because they didn't like, other leaders didn't like our former president mm -hmm. and uh, also Krakow temple needed me as temple treasurer because that was one of my seva uh, forever in this <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so they didn't want to kind of help Warsaw temple didn't want to help so I nowadays I think it was really easy to stop this conflict but it ended up that everything collapsed and was like 50 people in congregation that most of them just disappeared. Wow. So if there was anything else than Siddhas Farupananda, Prabhu's group at the time, I would just join them right away. But there was no other option. So mm. <laughs> I stayed in ISKCON and then Krakow Temple collapsed and it was due to mismanagement. And then I moved to Warsaw Temple. But all these situations uh, were like building up tension for years. And then there was one uh, darshan, which I was translating for uh, uh, one girl. Like there was one lady, trouble making lady in a congregation who was uh, aspiring to be disciple of my uh, former guru. So, uh, this girl that was I was translating for uh, went to complain about this lady and her behavior. Like that person was mentally sick. Uh, and the way he, uh, my former guru answered, like she kind of, she was kind of challenging his view, but she accepted his answer, but his answer crushed my face. And I was like, oh my God. I know he's really following Prabhupada, but perhaps that means Prabhupada wasn't all right. So I went to all these like website, Waka website, <laughs> some Pradaya sounds and uh, whatnot and all kinds of like post Gaudiamat, uh, whatever fumes. So uh, there was like, finally, maybe Mahabrabhu wasn't really incarnation. So it was like building up a uh, huge thing. And uh, uh, I was doing a lot of seva for my former guru. I was like um, making a newsletter for him, organizing fundraising. And uh, I was always um, one of the uh, co-organizers of his Vyasa Puja. And uh, uh, 
so at one point like I was going to India with my friend and I was like I have to talk to someone else about it I will be in India for Kartik I will for sure find someone who will answer my question so I was like okay let's meet with this Swami but nobody had ever time so Raju why don't you tell tell us what were some of the the questions that were going on in your mind at this point what were the things that were really confusing and uh, it's uh, I don't want to kind of like reveal situation but uh, many times like uh, in ISKCON perhaps not only but uh, that's what uh, I have experienced with uh, there was justifying of certain things as if you do that for Krishna that's all right if you hook with criminals for Krishna, that's all right. Mm. Uh, so if a criminal is a leader, just respect your leader. <laughs> yeah. Stop complaining. Yeah. If you are a woman, just don't try to be a leader. There was a lot. So that kind of like all these things started me doubting Prabhupada. And there was like many things, and now I can't remember it, but uh, we had kind of a group of this, <laughs> this enchanted devotees, like we were meeting and there were those huge, huge, huge doubts in our minds and huge discussions and whatnot. Uh, so it was that the, the behavior of some of the devotees didn't match what you thought would was yeah the, yeah the, I the also uh, like my feeling was that ISKCON was supposed to uh, be about people that join meanwhile this first situation where this Namahata nobody cared yeah about uh, 50 people being turned away I was mm -hmm. like then what is it really for those buildings yeah yeah Printed so, books that we have thousands and nobody buys them and they are rotting uh, storage. So, um, yeah, so they were nothing worse. So, that that was a huge uh, thing uh, for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I went to India and, like, it was funny because whoever I wanted to meet uh, wasn't available. And um, at some point, Bhakti Vikash Swami appeared on the horizon so I was like yes I will have darshan with him I've met him before and I knew he was like super paka strict and so I asked him for darshan after his class but what was funny I thought that darshan meant that me and my friend will go with him somewhere and he will answer my doubts because if he said like this is what Prabhupada really wants and if he explained it how it worked I would just listen to it but I became really nervous. So I think I started looking a little bit crazy. So I only was able to ask like what? It said that you cannot really make progress if you um, don't see your guru as good as God. Mm. And his reply was like, he started laughing. Yeah, you can't really make progress. And I was like, that's it. It's in front of Krishna Balaram Mandir. I just heard that. Uh, I won't make any progress. I guess the only option is I go to Jamuna and drown myself. <laughs> My friend got scared, like she escaped. So I made like maybe a couple steps towards her and suddenly out of nowhere, one Brahmachari rises, 
small guy. I don't even remember his skin color. I don't remember anything, but he came and he said like, it's not necessarily that you are wrong, that you read uh, Govinda Maharaja's, uh, Govinda Maharaja's books about Guru. And I was like, no, read them. So I just ran to the store. I got two books and I started from the smaller one reading in Prabhupada Samadhi. And it explained my problem with the guru. Mm. Like, hey, you didn't hear the voice, inner voice. You have chosen the guru instead of guru choosing you. Mm. <laughs> Praying to Krishna. So I was like, oh my God. Okay, now I know what the mistake was, but what to do next? So um, I met with uh, Madhavananda Prabhu. And he told me to pray to Lord Nityananda. He gave me special prayers uh, to ask for Shiksha Guru. He was like, okay, if your relationship with your Tiksha Guru doesn't work anymore, you just need Shiksha Guru. That's okay, it happens. So he gave me those prayers. Then I met Vaishesha Kaprabhu and I told about my uh, problems. And he said, like, um, if you have ever problems uh, communicating with your guru again, like, please don't hesitate to write me because, you know, he can dismiss you, but he cannot dismiss me the same way. I was like, all right, cool. Then I really, really wanted to meet Narayan Maharaj, but every day something was happening. So finally, like one day I uh, decided like, we go with my friend and we wake up in the morning and there is no water, so we cannot shower. So I went to take a nap. And during that nap, I saw this big, big temple full of people, everyone with flowers in their hand and going to offer those flowers. So I go there to offer them and the Vyasasana is empty. And I woke up and I realized that this is great person, but he's not meant for me. And we went to his temple and he left for Mathura. Wow. So then I went back to mm -hmm. Poland and I started uh, reciting those uh, prayers that Manavananda Prabhu mm, mm, sent me every day. At first it was like, I don't even have faith in Nityananda Prabhu, it's not going to worry, but nevertheless I was just saying them. Meanwhile, things were going uh, on and uh, um, I was still trying to contact possible uh, Shiksha gurus that I liked. So I was like, I tried to write Sachinandana Swami, got reply from his disciple. Oh, he's off uh, internet for six weeks now and he will be off for next eight months. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> then uh, I was looking for website of Bhakti Vaibhav Puri Maharaj. I didn't know at that time that uh, he had uh, severe, um, health issues, but right when I wanted to find this website, it disappeared. <laughs> then Krishna, I wrote uh, Paramatvaiti. Yeah, Krishna really did put obstacles, yeah. you know, which is a mercy that he, <laughs> the first time maybe you heard that, you heard the voice, you didn't listen to it. And then he made it more obvious in the other cases, yeah. it seems. <laughs> I wrote Paramadvaiti Maharaj, he never replied. Then I was like, okay, it's just crazy. And uh, of course, 
And I started reaching out to people who were kind of outsiders and were like kicked out of ESCON. So I was like apologizing to some of them if I said something bad about them. And uh, this way I ended up on one ESCON forum. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of uh, disciples. There was one very active disciple of uh, Guru Maharaj, Tripurari Maharaj there. Um, he was on every discussion. So there was a lot of uh, discussions going on there. At some point there was um, um, something uh, on Narasinga Maharaja's uh, article going on. So I said something under this article and this uh, disciple of Guru Maharaj said something and my guru says that. And I had question about it, what he says. So he said, like, why won't you ask him? And I was like, how? Oh, I will send the question for you. So in 15 minutes, imagine that in 15 minutes, I got reply and it was nice reply, but what was weird about it, it dissolved one of my doubts, one of my big, 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 big heavy doubts that I didn't ask about, just, like that, it was side point. Oh, and was like, oh, wow. Then another discussion, once again, I have a question, once again, he answers. And once again, while answering, he's also dissolving another huge, huge, huge doubt like Mount Meru. And I'm like, oh my God, Lord Nidyananda has spoken. This is my guru because otherwise, like it never happened before. I didn't even ask about it. I didn't know anything. And I was in fact even avoiding him because I knew his, my former guru didn't like him, but I was like, now I have to have this shiksha. So I wrote the letter and I didn't even get response. My temple president got response to kick me out of the temple. It didn't happen exactly like that. And I even met my former guru after that. But <laughs> the beginnings were like. <laughs> wow. Wow. So you really, uh, had to, you really had to reject. Well, you had to walk away from everything, it sounds like. You know? What uh, I see it as uh, like in the beginning, I wasn't even upset about it. Uh, I had a lot of responsibilities that I had to uh, leave behind. So finally I spent like six weeks. And meanwhile, um, I went to finish retreat and got initiations from Guru Maharaj. It was first time I saw him. I didn't read any of his books before. Mm. I heard one class that I didn't understand at all. <laughs> <laughs> So all the uh, chocolate and whipped cream and raisins and everything came after. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just uh, felt like the big, big burden was being taken away, taken away from me when uh, I um, was kind of giving up all my uh, responsibilities and this thing is like, I was so scared of everything. I was like, oh my God, mm, usually. Uh, but that gave me such a courage that there was few moments that I thought like I could do anything in life. And also for several weeks, my mind stopped completely. It was unbelievable. 
Oh. Uh, it never <laughs> happened before. It never, never, never happened after, yeah. <laughs> so then uh, three months after I moved out of temple, uh, I went for three months to Audaria. Then again, uh, I was on tourist visa. So uh, then I came back for six months, which was uh, my allowed time. And then was asking Guru Maharaj, where should I go to come back to Audaria or go to Costa Rica? At first he was like, no, Madhuvan is not ready for you. And then two weeks later, he's like, you are going to Madhuvan. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, I think I have to let the dog out. Oh, well, that's fine. Person. Yeah, he's he's important personality in the call there. <laughs> yeah, she's she's sick, so oh, she might need need to go use, use the facilities outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so so you had some really confirming um internal oh, what i didn't tell you and that was also like because i have those two sides one is like super logical and intellectual and i usually allow this one to rule my, my life mm. like no miracles there and nothing mm, everything is logical <laughs> yeah. but uh, um, as i said as i have had my uh, christian faith issues and whatnot and uh, I was attending different meetings so after I met devotees and I was attending uh, meetings for some time I was still practicing going to church and everything and one time I went to a meeting with um, those charismatic Catholics from somewhere South America and it was it lasted several maybe seven hours there was like a lot of prayers, songs and whatnot. And at the end, they were supposed to pray about healing that sick people were supposed to be healed. So I went through all of this. What's surprising, I even made my mom to go to that. Mm. And at the end, when they started those prayers, um, I started shaking, but like shaking, I couldn't stop it. I don't know what it was, but it was uh, outside of my um, mm -hmm. will and I couldn't stop. I pretended to my mom that I was so cold. I was like really shaking. And the next day I was working and suddenly the words that they were speaking about came back to my mind and I suddenly understood them. And I understood that I wasn't following Jesus Christ that nobody I knew was really following him. And the third thing was that I really didn't want to follow him. Mm. And that was devastating for me, for my ego. For a moment, I was even considering becoming an atheist because how can I face God now? But then I was like, okay. So when a week later, someone gave me Japa Mala, I was like, that's the last attempt to deal with God. <laughs> If that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, so so a lot of things that were in your your space as far as other religious paths were eliminated and 
Krishna <laughs> consciousness prevailed through it. Yeah, then it's really hard because a number of devotees who have um, who are in our sangha have had the experience of you know joining in in um, as Guru Maharaj says in another institution um, and. Um, and you know that's you know you come to a spiritual path you you give up everything to you know to take to this path and and then to have to do it again you know <laughs> it, it's like it's really I mean I think that's a common theme for a lot of the devotees in our in our group is that we've had to we've had to to you know really give up you know our friends our family more than you know in a big way at least twice and um and you yeah so you, you barely have i have to. to say that the kicking me out of the temple which caused the really uproar in the congregation was the best thing my former guru ever did to me mm. it was the best blessing i could ever get <laughs> yeah so um, so that's the, you know, the, when, the, when that is good and being able to see, yeah, that Krishna's hand is in all of these, you know, I mean, I, I've heard other devotees that are on this call and their stories, similar kind of situation where they had to give up their association and their sangha and it turned out to be a, a wonderful blessing and, and you got a lot from that former situation, you know, and in the yeah. early days of Krakow, it sounded like it was a sweet situation. And you, you got to go to India, you got to go, yeah. to, you know, you really, you had some really positive experiences with that whole thing. And it just came to an end. It had its beginning and it had its end, but so much, you know, it helped you to be able to come to, yeah this situation that you're in now because you probably couldn't have started in this situation and I think about that for myself I could not have started with this sangha you know I needed to go through what you know and learn. it just it just was the path that I needed to go through and I'm not sure like maybe I could have done it differently because remembering this uh, warning when I was asking to be accepted as disciple by my former guru, it was like really strong inside feeling, like yeah, so, so for different. You, yeah, so for you, I then, couldn't recognize it. Yeah, for you, that lesson would be to to really be able to listen to that voice, to be able to see that. You know, that's a hard thing, and I think a lot of devotees struggle with. Oh, is this my mind? Because the mind can be pretty strong mm -hmm. and give very you know heavy instructions to us, also. Um, so yeah, to be able to decipher that inner voice and trust it and, and see when it, you know, when, when, when to follow it. So I'm sure that's probably, I mean, I'll be, I shouldn't say I'm sure I should ask you, do you feel like that's one of the things that yeah. you've been working with over the years is really listening to that internal voice? Exactly. Yeah, I always have problems to listen to it. And whenever I don't, uh, I'm in trouble. Doesn't work out well for you when you don't, huh? Oh, sometimes uh, I'm really curious. What would have happened if I didn't listen? Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's interesting how you said that you have this, um, you know, your dual nature. I mean, I guess we all do, you know, the, the, the very logical, intellectual kind of way of looking at life and, and then the mystical side and the, and the, you know, that, that side, you have that, you've had experiences since you were a little, little girl, but it's, yeah, that the intellectual side oftentimes prevails or tries to prevail just because, yeah, it's very strong in you. So, yeah. Sometimes I wish there was some boring times in spiritual life where boring times. one could relax <laughs> and enjoy, <laughs> but it seems like it's not possible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I always tell devotees, if, you know, when you sign up for this path, you can pretty much rest assured that the train's going to keep rolling and you, you, know, you don't have much time to, to take a breather. Maybe, maybe one breath and then Krishna's, okay, let's get the, let's keep going, let's keep going. And in fact, something like that, when one day when I was at Audaria and was like all joyful and whatnot, uh, going through the courtyard. So all these thoughts came to my mind, like that my mind stopped for so long. And I was just thinking, I hope the next step in my spiritual progress won't uh, be uh, that difficult. And immediately from inside, I heard like, no way. <laughs> no, no way. It's like, I, I, I think somebody, I like the way somebody had said this, comparing it. I mean, I've never played computer games, but I know enough to, that you, there's levels that you, you know, you, you get to, you perfect a certain level and then, or you do well at it and then you go to the next level. So it is that way with Krishna, you know, and you, you know, you get something down and okay, it's like right on to the next level. And it's like a new you know, new skills, new, new insights are required and new, you know, it's just, he's, yeah, that's the idea of just keeping us growing all the time. He doesn't want us to stagnate. He doesn't want us to try to, we've done that for millions and billions and trillions of lifetimes. We've been, you know, doing the slow kind of, you know, you know, dabbling. And so in this lifetime, it's like Krishna's saying, okay, let's, this is going to, you know, he wants us to come to him, you know, end our suffering, and he wants it to happen as quickly as possible. And it's his love, it's his affection for us. So, so I just, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions, and then we're going to open it up to some questions. But um, what would you say that you see in yourself as being the most significant, profound change in in who you become as a result of taking to this path? Oh, there is a lot. There is a lot. I definitely have more love for uh, others and myself. Not that I attain the level of real life, but definitely I have more. I have less fear. Uh, that's huge, yeah. Those are two really huge things. More love for others and yourself and less fear. Because those, yeah. Yeah, and I also got this like um, 
I want to improve uh, instead of like waiting that maybe I don't have to. <laughs> so having a real desire to to make progress rather than kind of well just kind of yeah. I also uh, re react less to my failures. <laughs> well, that's big too. They don't discourage me that much anymore. That's that's huge. These are all really huge things. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure there is tons of other things. I just can't think of them. <laughs> those are. I mean, just. I mean, those things. I mean, we could probably unpack each one of them, and there would be a lot of branches. And I have to close the door now because monkeys are super loud. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is Maruvan. Yeah, that's life in the jungle. Yeah, life in the jungle. I know. I had the lawnmowers and the trimmers going sounds going outside of here. You've got the monkeys. <laughs> More natural where you're at. So um, just as like a, a finishing question, um, what would you what advice would you give to devotees that are listening on the call today as far as how they could, you know, continue in, in their spiritual life from what the lessons you've learned, what would you share as being the most powerful thing that you could give them? Just keep going. Just keep, <laughs> keep going. going regardless. Like if you have to change your situation, see how it helps you uh, in your spiritual growth. Um, what does it cause you to face? Uh, what of your limitations and triggers and whatnot? Nice. Yeah, I love that. It's really nice. All right. Well, let's let's um, open this up to the devotees and see if we have any questions. Like, yeah, Sakirati, she's just our <laughs> faithful question answer asker. <laughs> Haribol Pranam to everyone. Haribol Braj. Um, I have a question because I know you went through a lot of very hard difficulties. Like you had cancer when we were together in Madhuvan, your dad died. Then after some time, your mother died. And I always see you with a very, very big smile on you. And you always take everything like, positively like when your dad died I was very much going to cry like this for you and you were just smiling and happy I mean happy in a certain <laughs> way like taking positively so I wanted to ask you how how you do that yeah um I think I'm very negative person <laughs> Uh, but certain things I had to digest, like with my cancer diagnosis, my first uh, reaction was like total panic because I just found this like spiritual master that I love and the situation that I'm really happy in. And I had my cabin built in Madhuvan. Everything was super in my life. And suddenly you hear you might die, die and leave it behind without... Uh, making any connection to Guru Maharaj and Sangha and everything. And I was like, ah! Uh, so that was heavy thing. But with my dad, it was really um, interesting because um, he got 
got diagnosed with uh, lung cancer and he just started his treatment and I knew how he was uh, like he wasn't used to be kind of not able to do whatever he wanted he really felt bad that he didn't have much strength anymore and whatnot so uh, it was Shivaratri night and I took some ma flowers and um, I went um, uh, at the curve, uh, who was in Maduvanos, and the curve uh, below the barn, there is above it, uh, there is a um, tree, uh, banyan tree. So I always imagine Lord Shiva residing under it. So I went and kind of offered in darkness those flowers to him and prayed uh, for a peaceful passing from my parents. And uh, next day my father died of heart attack so i saw it as direct answer to my uh, prayer because i knew like being sick and bedridden would devastate him totally um, and with my mom it wasn't that easy because i spent many many months uh, with her like isolated already because she was sick and then the COVID on top of that and not possible to get any uh, professional help and anything. So finally I had like some of my relatives coming and changing, but there were also like, it was very, very difficult uh, time in my life, but in retrospect, I would never want to not go through it. It was really enlivening uh, and it was really interesting to see how person who's dying is on kind of like in both worlds at the same time mm, can kind of read the mind that was can talk to dead people <laughs> and some point my mom was really suffering and so I was checking on her at night and I had this evil thought like what if I put a pillow on her mouth and she would die quickly and nobody would ever know she had cancer? Like, who would even know? Why does it have to last so long? And suddenly my mom speaks loud, it has to last, last so long. And I was shocked. I was like, uh, why? And she said, because otherwise everything from the beginning which I understood that she would have to go through that again and that she kind of knew that. And it blew my mind out. I was like, oh my God. So it was interesting. So she, she, she didn't, you didn't say that out loud. No, I just thought it. it. Yeah. She, wow, that, that was mystical for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and what an answer. It's so true, you know, it's kind yeah. of like, when devotees sometimes have, you know, have suicidal thoughts or something, and we have this discussion that, yeah, whatever you 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 didn't complete, you're gonna have to come back and face that or you can go through it in the next life. So it's it's really not an answer. You're gonna find yourself in the same situation next life, and so your mom had that that understanding. Yeah, it was really That's amazing. Like yeah, yeah, that was amazing. That was powerful thank you for sharing that sure 
Wow. Yeah, and it, so many things in our lives, you know, that we look at. And, and if you're not on a spiritual path, how these things, how differently, you know, people um, deal with these things. And, um, and for us to be able to see them in a, in a positive way, in a way that's helping us grow and, you know, really transcend this world, you know, the body and um, come to a whole new reality for eternity. I mean, it's such a, it's just such a positive, wonderful, you know, path that we're on, but we need each other to remind each other. And that's what I love about doing these calls is, yeah, we've got each other's association. And um, this is the most, I think one of the most important things we can share with each other is yeah, that there's so much hope and everything is happening for our highest good and for reasons that we can't always see when we're in the darkness of it. So thank you. Thank you, Sakirati, for that very wonderful question. And does anybody else have a question you would like to ask? Okay. You want to repeat that question because I won't hear it on the English. Um, I'll repeat it. That how how can um, we see animals that will help us stimulate um, our love for Krishna? I think it's like uh, it's uh, funny. I started uh, thinking uh, more about uh, seeing God uh, in everyone and everything recently more because there is so many bad things happening in politics nowadays and whatnot, especially in Poland. So it's very easy to feel hatred and like anger. Uh, so. Uh, I would say animals and plants and all this uh, like natural world is the way of God to experience his material energy through different tastes and flavors and colors and different senses. We might think that humans have everything, but it's not like we don't see ultraviolet, we don't hear ultrasound and God wants to experience it all. So they are also God's servants, Krishna's servants in that way. And if they live in ashram and just take care of either emotional needs of dwellers or like mice uh, eating carrots <laughs> in the kitchen, it's all service. Yeah, very nice. And I appreciated how you sat in the beginning when you were little how when you heard your grandmother say that animals have no soul and your response to that and yourself was, well, let me give a piece of my soul to the animals so that they can also you know, experience life in a more full way. Yeah, that was really, so you just, you know, you've had, you have a lot of love and compassion for all living entities. And I think, as I feel, Bhaktivinotakur, he says that there's, the two most important things in a de devotional life is to um, 
have you know compassion and love for all living entities and to chant Hare Krishna. So um yeah, I have to work on the thing with the animals. I, I'm not, I mean, I like animals, but I'm so afraid of the cows. Because I, um, they're such big animals. And I've seen my friends that in, over the years that have gotten their foot stepped on and broken foot. And so I'm like almost terrified of the cows, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it can happen. And loving animals doesn't mean that you have to go and uh, be around them. Like now our cow has a little calf and she's just, she won't be nice to you if you go around. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you for that. That's reassuring because I, I, yeah, I always feel bad that because some of my friends say, oh, you should go brush them. Nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm scared. So. You can sometimes maybe uh, donate a piece to a brush so that they have it on the wall and brush themselves. <laughs> nice. So um, somebody has a Anupurna, um, Akura, you want to read Anupurna's comment that she just posted on the chat? <laughs> uh, I see some question in Spanish. Uh, uh, Um, it's funny because it refers also to the video that Shyam uh, posted about me reacting to sudden music. I don't know whether you see that stupid thing when I say Jesus. <laughs> okay, so it's a comment. <laughs> very nice so thank you for that nice appreciation from Anupurna and any other last, last minute anything Mahapriya also had something what is now my life and uh, Madhavan Uh, what is my experience now? I love it in Madhavan. <laughs> I love it, especially in rainy season when everything is green and lush. And uh, it has life in, uh, because uh, I don't know, should I say it like um, the question, what it was? Okay, you are muted. Uh, so every day uh, is. Akrura, she can't hear you. Uh, I mean, I read some uh, question in the chat. I don't think you're hearing Akrura because that was the thing no, 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 we were no. saying that you didn't have the mute original no. audio on your, yeah. so. So I see questions yeah, from Mahapriya from Mexico asking But she about, understands Spanish, so she's answering you. She's yeah, answering the question. Yeah. My life in Madhuvan now, uh, 
that uh, with this unique experience of uh, living in nature. So I'm just saying it's wonderful and uh, it can be very, very peaceful with just chirping birds and beautiful sunset and butterflies, hummingbirds. Sometimes it's like thunderstorm with lightnings and like really, really, really heavy thunders. And when it's like between dry season and rainy season, those like first clouds that appear and everything is so dry, it reminds me of this verse in Bhagavatam saying how Chakora birds are waiting for those clouds uh, to drink from them and how Krishna is this color of monsoon cloud. So it's like, because we are also waiting, like when this rain is going to come finally here, here, sometimes you see this cloud going away and then it becomes really heavy raining in October and you are thinking, oh no, it's Kartik again, it's Govardhana Puja. <laughs> Indra is getting uh, on us. So a lot of... Uh, reminders of Krishna Lila here and there are cows and there are monkeys not exactly like Vrindavan monkeys although this type of monkeys live in Costa Rica as well but I'm not unhappy that they are not too close because these at least don't enter our houses <laughs> <laughs> nice so Priya's offering pronouns to you <laughs> Anything else? Any last, maybe one more, if anybody had any question or comment? Otherwise, we can wrap up. Um, let's see. Just wanna... Oh, completely forgot who's doing the call talk. Oh, it's but next. Yeah. So, so I want to thank, thank you so much, Roger, for having the courage <laughs> and a really, a lot of really beautiful points and sharing your, you know, your journey. I mean, what we can share in an hour of, you know, a whole lifetime, you know, trying to hit the little, the most salient points. Um, I was really, I'm, I really appreciate it a lot. And, learn more about you as well because yeah we, we we all know a little bit about a little bit of e things about each other but these talks have really helped me help help me know a lot more about the devotees so thank you thank you for uh, allowing me to remind myself about uh, important things <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much and Akrara did how did it go for you once you got set up Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. I was wondering because every accent is different and I you're good at you must be very good at um picking up accents because so far, so far, so good. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for running in and remembering to join us today. It was really important to for us, I'm not for the Spanish devotees, I'm sure.
Oh, okay. Yeah, you can you can translate it. Yeah, can yeah. I yeah. say something? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, Mahapriya. Mm, I hope I hope see you soon in Maduran in Bye. December. Bye. Sunday. Cannot wait to see you. <laughs> Esperamos. <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> okay. Arrivo. Let me just minute. Mm-hmm. 